Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to save you money. Make sure you're fully insured. You need insurance more than ever, and these are the pros, pros. When it comes to insurance, the best in the business. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Lafitte Pinkai in a moment. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Into the final for Lung. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin. These two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter Sandin. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Yeah, that's fitting in Larry with an awesome call, by the way. That was an awesome call. And we're joined by, from Fox Sports, Lafitte Pinkai. Lafitte, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to be with you guys. How are you? It was a terrific, terrific call from Larry. Absolutely. You're not, you know, it's the last horse that you're looking for. It's the biggest price on the board. And uh, picking him up on the rail, and you could... Here in his voice, like the rest of the 150,000 at Churchill Downs, just pure, genuine shock. And 12.6 million watching on TV felt the same way. Uh, our mutual friend Dick Girardi, you know, and of course I, I travel all year round with Dick on basketball, but uh, I had him on the show Thursday. And of course, Rich Strike doesn't come up in the conversation because at that point he's not in the field. <laughs> okay? And so when it was over, I texted him. I texted him, you have to be kidding me. He texted me back, impossible result. What was your thought watching this? I, just that. Um, it was similar to how I felt watching my Matt Bird cross the wire in front at 50-1 yeah. to one, a little over a decade ago. Uh, the race shape was much like Giacomo. At yeah. fifty to one, but at least you had covered them going into the Derby. At least you knew they were pointing at the race and were their names, and they were assigned numbers at the draw. You have to realize that also eligible list isn't hasn't even even been in existence for very long. It hasn't been many years that we've had an also eligible list for the Derby. Whereas they draw the 20 and that would be it if a horse scratched there wasn't anybody on the bubble waiting to get in so this is relatively new i have to actually go back and look and see when that was sort of when that was created um so when ethereal road scratched which is a huge part of the story you know that wayne lucas likes to run and you know that he's won derbies at big prices and he won the oaks the day the day before so yeah, obviously he wasn't up to it. So when he scratched and this horse drew in, okay, well, 
we'll have a number 21 in the Kentucky Derby, but I don't know why. You wouldn't do the deep dive research because he just uh, just didn't figure. So that lack of familiarity, of course, we've seen big shocks and upsets in the Derby, but not not like this. This is this is impossible. Oh, my wife and I are sitting in a restaurant. They're doing the, doing the march by, and she says, who does Dick like? And I said, you know, he, we talked about you know the favorites in the field, I, and all of a sudden he parades by, and he, at that point he was seventy nine to one. I said, I said, I don't. I, I looked at her. I said, I don't even think the owner bet on him. <laughs> he was ninety nine to one. Uh, a few clicks brought like yeah a little bit earlier. Yeah. Now, when you watch the race, the tactics of the race, I want to talk about the jockey for a moment. The, the jockey, to me, is a good example of a sport that has a lot of talent in it, but it's not always the major stars. But it doesn't mean that because you're at a smaller track or other tracks, there's not a lot of talent. And I think he showed great talent by the way he got through traffic. guy that has never won a greatest stakes race in his life uh, wins his first greatest stakes race in a derby, riding in his first Kentucky Derby. Sonny Leone rides at Mahoning Valley, some of these smaller tracks. In that one ride, you're never going to convince me <laughs> that he's not really good at what he does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horse racing. Um, the jockey, of course, plays a, a vital role, but I think that for someone like a Sonny Leone, that if you gave him stock and he had good horses to ride, he'd be productive while watching yeah. him for two minutes deliver an absolute cr- clutch ride in a very challenging scenario, the weaving through traffic, every decision he had to make. You know, when a horse goes wire to wire, the jockey gets him to break fast, right. and you make the lead, and you nurse him along, and you ask him for his best when that time comes. It's a fairly simple strategy. What Sonny Leone did, coming from that far back, timing it just right, weaving in and out of traffic. If he makes one wrong decision, he probably doesn't catch Epicenter. And so crucial when he got wet towards the inside, if he tries to go all the way around horses, he's going to lose too much ground. He's going to lose momentum. Uh, He did encounter some traffic along the way. Uh, The ride was as big a part of the victory as as anything else was. And this is life-changing for him. This is absolutely life-changing. At the well put, it is life changing for him because because of the twenty horse field, it brings with it exponentially more traffic. You're not supposed to be sixteenth at the turn because of the traffic and do this. How difficult is it to be a come from behind horse in the Kentucky Derby because of the number of horses in the field? Yeah, the racing luck plays a vital role. This is always why you would prefer a horse with tactical speed in a derby. Um, and Joel Rosario on Epicenter rode tactically a brilliant race. Uh, yes. Sensing the pace was so hot, getting him further back than he normally would be. If he was closer to that nuclear pace, he would have tired and not finished as strong. Um, you watch Jerry Bailey's ride on Grindstone, one of the best yeah. derby rides you'll ever see That's on right. a closer picking his spots, weaving in and out of traffic, and he beat Cavanier by a nose. If he loses momentum, has to check, 
goes wide. And if anything wrong goes, he doesn't get there. Again, he won by millimeters in that 96 Derby. Um, it's, it's something that riders aren't accustomed to. It doesn't happen. You, you ride in 20 horse fields when? Once in the Derby. That's it. So when you're back there, you know that what I know what you try to do, what I remember Jerry Bailey's explained on the broadcast, you try to pick a horse that you think is going to be finishing well, that you can count on, that you believe going in, okay, if I stay behind this horse, I don't think he's going to stop right in my face and I have to pull up and go around and find another path. You try to find a quality horse to follow. That's something Jerry Bailey always emphasized. Um, it's snap, you know, in that moment, the thinking that has to happen, it's all it's instinct, it's your talent. Um, it, in his case, Sonny Leone, and that, you know, made every right move on a horse that nobody knew uh, anything yeah. about. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the race, and it's, it's, it's still, it's just as, a, as the fan in me, still hasn't quite processed it, how incredibly impossible this storyline is. A horse that was claimed for $30,000. It wasn't in the race Friday morning, won the Derby. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's Buster Douglas. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at the last couple of derbies, each one, you know, there was a disqualification. Then, of course, Medina Spirit, you know, finally got overturned. You had a full house, 150,000 plus, big audience. This improbable result. What kind of day was this for the sport of racing? It's a feel-good story. It really is, and it's been beaten up pretty good over the last year with what took place with Medina Spirit, the most recognizable figure in the sport, and Bob Baffert, and, and it yeah. being his horse that he trains that was disqualified. Uh, the, we lost Medina Spirit, all of it. Um, it, it becomes, for someone who doesn't know the sport very well, trying to explain it. Um, you don't want to sound like an apologist, and sometimes certain things happen that are, it, it makes it very difficult for someone who doesn't follow closely to, you know, to not look at the game in a negative, from a negative perspective. And it's understandable at times. Absolutely it is. Um, so as a result of what happened, Last year, um, this was this was the polar opposite. This is the sport at its best. It's a long shot. How can you not root for an underdog? This is, as he's now being referred to as, you know, America's horse, and that you don't have to be a gazillionaire and spend a zillion dollars at a sale to come up with a horse that can win a Kentucky Derby. Um, a $30,000 claim, an incredible story with trainer Eric Reed, who has gone through a lot of personal tragedy, yeah. um, losing people close to him, uh, a grandson, friends from cancer. He lost several, maybe a couple dozen horses in a yeah. barn fire. Um, it's been incredibly, as he describes it, uh, very dark. And at times, I believe, he's pointed out that just the love for the horses is the only thing that's kept him in the game. And to wind up where he is and in that moment, what that means to him and to be there with his father and all those emotions, this is everything that's right in the sport. And I'm glad that our, that the world got to see what the sport looks like, feels like, sounds like when everything, when it, the way it should feel. 
In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because um, the barn fire, he almost got out of it. And yet there were a lot of people within the sport that rallied around him. And these are these are elements that like you know about, I've heard about, you know, being around Dick, I'll hear a lot of this stuff. There are far more really good people around these things than people realize, and this was a good example of it. Absolutely. And I promise you that when the millions tune in to watch the Freakness in two weeks, this kind of, everybody watching is going to be rooting for Rich Strike. Like if you have a, a soul and heart and a pulse, um, <laughs> I don't know how you can't root for this horse because of what he represents, the people around him. Um, Eric Reed was explaining what took place after the race because he was still in that zone. These are athletes, all right? They're not pets. Yeah. And when right. they pulled him up and he was kind of fighting at the pony and bit the outrider's leg and you know, I'm assuming that's probably why we didn't hear from Donna Brothers talking to the jockey and Sonny Leone because she probably couldn't get near him. And she, yeah. he's like, he's still in that zone, man. His mindset yeah. was to beat every horse on that track. And here's yeah. another one I got to beat, even the pony. He was still in that, in that, in that, like an athlete gets in the zone. That's what you still saw from Rich Strike after the fact. And probably a big reason that he wound up winning the Derby. The Derby's about racing luck, ta- racing luck, talent, and mental fortitude. That horse has the mental fortitude, and that's what that's what we saw. That killer instinct that he was still displaying a couple of minutes, you know, even after after the win, after a mile and a quarter in that effort, you think he'd be exhausted? No, he was, <laughs> he was ready right. for more. Right, which is another part of his, his personality, a characteristic that someone at home who doesn't follow the sport closely can connect with that every great athlete has a mean streak is he a great racehorse we don't know that was this a right. fluke maybe we're going to find yeah. out mind that bird came yeah. back and ran very well in the freakness um, took yeah. Rachel Alexander to beat him and he ran very well in the Belmont uh, so that that wasn't a fluke we'll, we'll find out yeah, I mean, one of the keys is is that when you watch the Derby about the Belmont, now it's obviously it's further down the road, but a mile and a half. Look at the next hundred yards after the finish. Does the horse still have something? That horse had something a hundred yards after the finish. <laughs> he, he had something all right for anybody that got near him. Uh, yeah, that you know, dead closers don't necessarily thrive at the Belmont, and that's still a long way away. But yeah, he wasn't tired. If he gets beat no. in Preakness, it's not going to be because, you know, the Derby took so much out of him. I didn't get that sense after the race. Now we'll watch him closely. There's always the, right. how do they gallop? How is their energy? How is their weight? As Bob Baffert has often pointed out, it's not the two weeks in between the Derby and the Preakness that gets the horse. It's the three weeks in between the Preakness and the Belmont. That's when they start showing signs of fatigue and difficulty keeping weight on, that kind of thing. Um, he's going to be... Um, you have to remember the competition in the Preakness. You know that the two California horses aren't going to be there in Messi and Tavia, right. which right. I, I'm disappointed. I hope that that wasn't too negative of an experience for Tavia, that we don't see him maximize his potential, because I think that was just too much too soon, and I said that before, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we know Todd Fletcher, unless he wins the Derby, he doesn't run his horses in the Preakness. Uh, you know, right. the Mo Donegals and charge it, I would guess, for the Belmont. 
I would yeah. imagine epicenter. Um, I don't know about Zandon, but the freakness from a competition standpoint, Rich Strike, it's gonna the competition won't be what it was at the dirt in terms of volume and talent. So uh, if he can reproduce his run from the Derby, who knows? Maybe we're talking about this former $30,000 maiden claimer who wasn't in the Derby the day before the Derby bidding for a triple crown. Well, then let's all have fun with it. All right. Absolutely. It's a great story. <laughs> let's let's, let's have fun what the with game it. Needs. It's an, an awesome Cinderella story, and let's, let's you know, ride it as long as, as, long as we can. Exactly. It's fun. That's what sports is supposed to be, fun. All right. Lafitte, always a pleasure. Great, great to have you on the show. Anytime. Anytime. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Lafitte Pinkai. You know, it's... You know, it's... Uh, Lafitte Pinkai. I mean, um, Rich Strike is the Nikola Jokic of horse racing. A winner. No, That's an insult to the hear, horse. You don't want to hear that? <laughs> How can you be negative about Nikola Jokic? How can you be negative about that? Come on. Come on. Come on, he's a great player. He is a great player. Your your guy, your guy is a great player. They're both great players. Okay. Right? And you're over then now, you know, something happens, you're in the fetal position. Come on. Have fun. And beat's still playing. I'm good. Well, so is Giannis. All right. Uh <laughs> so <is> Steph Curry. <laughs> so is Tatum. Come on. A lot of people still playing. Jimmy Butler's still playing. Boy, what a shame about the Adrian Payne story. My goodness. You know, you know how he died? He was shot and killed down in Orlando. Wow. Awful. You know, I, I, um, Payne, of course, was when he was at Michigan State, he developed a, a closeness to Lacey, Lacey Hallsworth, young Michigan State fan who had terminal cancer. And they, it was became a national story, and unfortunately, she passed away in April of 2014. Um, and she had said before her passing, "Adrian is my brother. I think of him when I smile." Ah, boy. So, but yeah, 31 years old. My goodness. Played a little bit in the NBA. My goodness. 31 years old. Wow. Awful. No, 49ers aiming to deal Garoppolo before camp. Eagles said to be target needs starting quarterback. What does that mean? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. May have had lived that last part. All right. Well, <laughs> you okay there? It just doesn't feel like, like it feels like you're a little off today. <laughs> no, I'm good. It just seems like you're just a little off today. I'm just ready for game five. No, the Penguins and Rangers are playing game four. Sixers, that is. But I am enjoying the uh, Penn series, I'm, too. I'm, I'm joking. 
It's okay. It's okay to kid around. It's okay to joke. It's okay to have some fun. Uh, last half hour. I'm going to start at the last half hour. I'm going to talk a little bit about Will Levis, a little bit about Sean Clifford, because it's going to be an interesting topic moving forward. And I think that I, I would like to get into it a little bit. Um, uh, Will's the kind of guy you, you root for all the time. Uh, but I, I just want to get into it a little bit because it's amazing because the mock drafts are coming out. He's ranked in the top ten, five, whatever. Okay. We'll see. But we'll come back, talk about it next half hour, and uh, have some fun with it. Ah, we try to have fun every day. Sports is supposed to be fun. Now, now Matt's going to go home. He's going to yell at the kids because Embiid didn't win the MVP. I mean, you can't do that. You can't. They're just kids. Pick up your stuff. Why? Joe Embiid didn't win the MVP. Pick it up. <laughs> that laughter tells me it's rooted in truth. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. May is National Military Appreciation Month. During the month of May, we will honor, recognize, and appreciate all the men and women who have served and are still serving our great country. The United States remains the land of the free and home of the brave because of their selfless service and sacrifice. From all of us at Purdy Insurance, thank you for serving our country and protecting our freedoms. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, whatever your insurance needs may be. They'll do everything they can to make sure you're fully insured. That's one. They know more than ever you need to save money. They will figure out any way they can to do that. They'll update those policies. They're the pros, pros in insurance, the best in the business. And you know here we're always promoting the best, and that is Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So the Sixers, when is game five? Tomorrow, 7.30. And then game six is Thursday at 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All those fans chanting MVP, MVP will all be wrong. Um, so, no? Incorrect? Yeah, at least now, it's one thing. Let's give the Sixers credit. They avoided a $50,000 fine yesterday by actually doing it the right way. That's good. They did do it the right way. He was. Li- they listed him as out Wednesday night. I don't get what they did wrong. 
because because of how they because they listed him as doubtful all the way up until uh, warm up. That's why. I thought you could do that though. No, you're not allowed to do that. You got to get to say whether they're in or out at, at a certain point, and they didn't do it. Fifty thousand dollars is tip change. Come on. I know. I mean, it's it, it, you know, it goes to it, the money goes to charity, as you know. Yes. No, but it just it just you know shows how disingenuous the organization is. All right, so uh <laughs> No senor, no senor, no senor I mean John Moran, for example, did not go through shoot around today. He's listed as doubtful for with right knee soreness. Uh and in all probability he's not playing. That's a weird injury. I know they're they're saying Poole did something wrong. I don't know. It's kinda of hard to tell. Ryan Dumoulin's not going to play game four tonight for the and Richard Raquel's out as well uh, for the Penguins. They're not going to play tonight. Penguins try to do things by the rules. You know, they just tell you right away, not going to play. No? <laughs> right? Wrong? Okay. So, all right. So let's get to something that is going to be a hot topic. And we'll see how it plays out this year. I hope Will Levis has a great year at Kentucky. I hope he has a great year at Kentucky. It's like I hope Sean Clifford has a great year at Penn State. Can't blame Will Levis for a single second for transferring to Kentucky. Not one he wants to play. And quarterback's one of those positions. You got three wide receivers, you got five offensive linemen. You use multiple tight ends. You use multiple running backs. But let's face it, you use a a quarterback. And he went down to Kentucky, and he turned in a really good season. And he has all, he has a lot of the measurables that the NFL people like. You look at his size. He has a really terrific release. I, I've, how many times have you heard me on this show talk about Levis's release when he was at Penn State? I loved his release. Really good arm. But what did I tell you he didn't have? His problem is that he never has really had great touch on the football. You got to get a ball over a linebacker, you got to get a ball over a corner to make that kind of play. It's always been an area where Will has, you know, and watching him play last year at Kentucky, same thing, saw the traits. Really good arm, the great release, but again, still didn't have the touch on the ball. It's one of the reasons why he had 13 interceptions last year. And we all know he can run. He's got great size. So now it comes out that you know all the all these mock drafts. You'll have mock drafts left and right, and there's mock drafts for 2023. Now they don't mean much of anything. Remember the story I told last week about the mock draft in late October, early November? Brandon Smith being the 23rd overall player in the draft? You know, things I mean, things happen, change. Right? And Will, again, Will's the kind of guy, he had to be in his first class at Penn State. His first class, he got a B. And had nothing but A's after that. He, right? He went down when he was in high school to, I think it was Guatemala, I believe, and helped build homes. I mean, he's just, I mean, you know, can't say enough good things about Will. Now let's get to the quarterback competition here. Right? 
and this is where I always either hear or read ridiculous things sometimes. Where you sit back and go, no, that's not how it played out. A, that there was no competition. B, it's one of the big mistakes they ever made, you know, going the way they did. Okay. This is from somebody who was standing there the entire time watching it. And I've talked about this with other quarterback competitions, where I literally see that the two, quote, combatants literally throw, I don't know, like 4,000 passes each, and that's not an exaggeration. With the spring, with the preseason, with the in-game practices, I mean, quarterbacks throw a lot of footballs. They throw a lot of passes during the course of a year. And Will did some really, really good things. But again, the accuracy wasn't always there, and the touch is still a problem. He's got to get, he's got to figure a way to pull the string on a ball. There is not one point as a neutral observer just sitting there watching. I don't care who quarterbacks the team. I'm standing there. I don't care who quarterbacks the team. I just want whomever they pick to win. Hey, so I don't sit there and go, oh, I really want uh, over. No, that's not how I watch. That's not how I watch practice. I want to see who's the best player out there at each position when I'm watching. And I'm not a coach. So I don't bring the coach's eye to the table. I'm not a coach. Coaches know more than I do, as I've said a million times on this show. As much as I think I know about football, as much as I think I know about basketball, James Franklin knows more about football than I do. Mike Yurcich knows more about football than I do. Okay? Micah Shrewsbury knows more about basketball than I do. And I think I know a lot about football, and I know a lot about basketball. I've had the privilege of being around practices, seeing how it operates, what what you should be looking for because of the conversations I've had with people over the years as to what I should be looking for to kind of hone my eye and fine-tune my eyes to what I should be saying because I'm asking questions like that. But when it comes to which person I think should be you know, just by my naked eye, which person I think should be doing whatever at a particular position, I don't, I just want the person out there that's going to help them win. That's pretty much my only criterion. You know, and sometimes you'll hear hear about a big-name player and somebody that's maybe a little bit more under the radar. Okay. And Saeed Blacknell did some really good things here when he was at Penn State. You know, especially in that Big Ten championship game, he was phenomenal in the win over Wisconsin. Saeed played a great game. It's the best game he played here, in my opinion. When Saeed Blacknell came into Penn State, he was the guy everybody had had to have. He was the guy Penn State needed. All right. Okay. So... I'm in practice, and I'm watching practice, and Jack Ham calls me up. And he says, hey, I'm coming up to practice. He says, tell me a little bit about Blackdoll. 
And I said, geez, and I said, Blacknell's been okay. He's been a little up and down. This is, you know, in you know, his, his freshman year. They've been a little up and down. I said, but the guy you got to see is, is Godwin, the kid out of Delaware. I said, it looks like he catches everything. Again, no preconceived notion going in, just what I was observing. Okay. Well, same thing with Clifford and Levis. I'm watching Clifford and Levis for a couple years out there doing their deal. I did not, not one time did I walk out of practice and think that Clifford wasn't in front. It didn't mean Will didn't, Will would have some good practices, some good days, but so did Sean. In other words, if, I, if I'm sitting there and I'm making the decision and what was in front of me, I wouldn't have lost any sleep over picking Sean. And it has nothing to do with the talent of Will Levis. I'm just telling you what my observation was in watching them on an everyday basis. You know, I didn't think twice about it when I didn't think twice about it when Sean was named the starting quarterback. Didn't think twice about it. Because my own observation told me I think he should be the guy. And I didn't have any any doubt in my observation. Again, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. But my observation in watching it play out every day, every day, every day, every day. There wasn't anything that Sean did to, to not be the starter. I thought he was he had the best overall command of what they were doing at the time. And then then I thought Will was, you know, was an excellent choice to be the two, and that was it. So I know what they're saying about the draft now. I got it. But as somebody who's there every day, and I watch it every day, honest to goodness, if you were in my shoes, I think you'd feel the same way what I watched play out for a couple of years. There was no doubt in my mind that they were making the right choice at quarterback. Because I kept thinking, well, Sean looks, looks better to me. That just was my amateur observation. Will, you know, I don't blame him for transferring at all. He wanted to be a starting quarterback. And look what he's done in Kentucky. He did a great job. Great job. I think they had, I want to say, you know, what's the one area where, for example, you know, people talk about mistakes and big games, things like that. But Sean had half the interceptions that Will did this past season. Will had 13 picks, you know. Sean, I think, had seven, something like that. And Will played really well for Kentucky. No getting around it. It's going to be a big year for him because they've lost some talent on that offense, including Wandale Robinson, the transfer who had transferred from Nebraska to Kentucky. He was a big part of what they were doing offensively. But we'll see. I mean... And I hope he has a great year, and I hope he is a first-round pick. But I'm saying in terms of watching it on an everyday basis on my part, it never really came to fruition that I thought that, yeah. And it doesn't mean Sean was great every day. No. But there was nothing that happened along the way that made me think there, were, there was a, that one would be over the other. This never did. And that's just my personal observation. 
Again, I'm not a coach. Coaches know way more than I do, and they've got all sorts of stats and charts and things like that. I'm just going by naked eye and, and watching it, my feel for it as to how it played out. Okay. Yeah, and it doesn't mean I always agree with what 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 happens out there. You know, look, I mean, look, I'm watching Rob Bolton and, and Matt McGloin. I thought Matt McGloin should be the starter. That was me. I mean, when they were, we were together, Rob kept starting. I was like, okay, well, all right, that's you know. And I told Jack, I said, I don't know, I don't quite, I don't quite see it, right? But you know, you go with who's out there. Like I said, I don't care who they pick. I just want whomever they pick to win. My in the end, that's my only. There's no, and believe me, you know, I can say a thousand nice things about Sean. I can say a thousand nice things about Will. They're both those, those kind of guys. But when it came to practicing on the field and feeling like who was, you know, at that moment in time and those moments in time, by my observation, who was the better quarterback at that point? I thought Sean was, and I hope Will's a top five pick. Because he's a great guy from a great family, and I think you know, we'll see how it plays out. But it's you know, you can only make the choice in the in the moment that you have to make the choice. You can't sit there with a crystal ball. And it's not as if Will didn't get a couple of chances to start here. He started against Rutgers when Sean was hurt, and I remember Jack and I were both like, "Okay, we're really anxious to see this." This was what twenty nineteen. We're like we're both we're really anxious to see this. Like, right? you know, I kinda of get he gets a full chance. Let's let's see what he can do. We love it. and yeah, he made a really terrific throw to Dotson for a touchdown. But other than that, he struggled in that game throwing the ball. Okay. It's a game, it's a start. Then he came off the bench and he did some good things against Nebraska in twenty. And then he started the Iowa game, and he really struggled in the Iowa game. And Sean's the one that came off the bench and rallied them back and gave him a shot. Uh, but it's it's interesting to see this play out, like, oh, what, what a mistake. If I'm standing there, I make the same decision they did because it's what I was observing. And, I, and they don't walk up to me and say, hey, what do you think? I always walk out of there with my own evaluations about, well, I think, you know, him, him, him. And, again, I don't care who starts. I just want whomever, they, whomever starts to win. So these are these decisions are made in, in the moment. And there wasn't anything in the moment that would change my mind that, about how it turned out. There really wasn't. And I know that some people find that hard to believe. Okay, that's fine. But I'm the one standing there, and to be honest with it, you're not. <laughs> Maybe if you're standing there, you'd have a different different thought. I don't know. So. And if you did, I would respect your opinion because it would be what you were watching. If you had a different opinion than me and you thought somebody else should be by after standing there, I would have no qualms about that. Reason being is you'd be watching and you'd have your opinion as to what you thought, what your gut feel was. All right. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Uh, just want to say that 
how great it is that they have a an MVP like Nikola Jokic. What? No. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. You just, you just, you just, I think you're just filled with hate. I, I mean, you desperately need to win something. All right. <laughs> Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And again, our thanks to Lafitte Pinkai for being on the show today. Rich Strike, that was some story watching that play out on Saturday. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, now look, I'm not saying that, for example, the suit. Has a good feel on the financial front. I mean, <laughs> he even texted me on Friday and asked what Dick was pick, what uh, Dick's pick was. He threw. I mean, evidently, he threw all of his money into two things. He threw it into Epicenter and Netflix. <laughs> it's. I like. Netflix is down seventy-one percent year to date. His third investment was IndyCar. Like, and you have people asking, have they even raced this year? 